0: Looking for a local spot to make swag for your brand, podcast, or anything in between? Eastside Pinco has experience making enamel pins, badges, keychains, medals, and patches. Have an idea of what you want? Chris can help bring your idea to life. You can find them online at eastsidepenco.com. That's eastsidepinco.com. That's E A S T S I D E P I N C O.com. And you can send all inquiries to chris at eastsidepinco.com. Mention this ad to take 10% off your order. Eastside Pinco. Hit them up. Hey, welcome back to Tunes, Tunes Podcast. I'm your host, Harold. As always, you can follow us on social media. That's Tunes, Tunes Podcast, T-U-N-E-S We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you find your podcasts. Um, we've got a really fun episode planned today. We've got our old friend Daniel Bo Kemper back in the house. What up? Hey, back again. Thank you for having me. Back again. He's here. You love him. You know him. He's been on episode ad nauseum. At we least 100. <laughs> uh, yeah, thanks for coming back, man. Oh,
1: no, happy to be here all the time.
0: And uh, he actually made a connection for us. Uh, we have Liz on the line from Piazo. What's going on, Liz?
2: Hi, thanks so much for having me today.
0: Yeah, for sure. Daniel, making connections. I love right. it. Thank you so much. No, there was <laughs>
1: virtually no effort involved. <laughs> <with that. laughs> but but uh, Liz was happy to, to have us nonetheless. So.
0: Yeah, so the cool thing about, I was just talking to, um, yeah. talking earlier about Um, how often, you know, tabletop gaming RPGs come up on the show just because of, like, you know, the nature of the interests of the people that I have on. And you had mentioned, like, hey, I know this this girl Liz. uh, uh, She works at Paizo now, and um, she actually gets to create these games. And so, Liz, I thought that would be a really good intro. Like, can you just kind of talk about Paizo and and what all you guys do and kind of, like, what your role is there?
2: Sure. I'd be happy to do that. So Paizo is a publishing company, and we're probably best known for the tabletop role-playing game known as Pathfinder. Uh, Pathfinder's been around for just over 10 years now, and just this year we released the second edition of the Pathfinder role-playing game. Uh, so that's kind of the big news around um, our office and sort of in the tabletop industry as far as as um, as far as we're going. Uh, we also run a science fantasy tabletop game called Starfinder, um, which we like to describe as Pathfinder in <laughs> uh, and we work with partners to produce a number of uh, other games that are based around um, the, the, the setting and the intellectual property that we have with Pathfinder. So we have the Pathfinder Adventure Card Game, um, which is a tabletop card game that you can play with your friends um, if you don't want to get into the, the full tabletop RPG experience. Uh, we partner with Owlcat Games to make the Kingmaker Pathfinder RPG. It's um, a, a computer um, single-player computer game along the lines of Diablo and Baldur's Gate-style games. And uh, and then uh, a handful of other things. We've done some some mobile games in the past um, and a, a couple of other um, fiction lines and comic book lines and things like that.
0: Man, that's really cool. Like, that's It's interesting to talk to someone that works in it, you know? It's yeah. like, I never thought that I would have that opportunity.
1: No, and I, I didn't realize how broad a spectrum ISO covered as well. Um, that being said, how did you find yourself involved with Paizo all the way to, you know, being a part of their, uh, uh, design team?
2: Yeah, I suppose I should actually say when, what my role is now. and <laughs> oh, then fair enough. Yeah, figure sorry. Where, the, where the map got to. Um, yeah, for spoilers. Um, so I'm a member of the Pathfinder design team. Um, I was... Uh, I I took this position just a couple of weeks ago um, to join the team that actually makes the rules for the Pathfinder RPG, um, and particularly for the second edition of the game. Uh, So this is a little bit of a new position for me, um, but it's working on a game that I have a a really, really deep experience with. I have been a fan of Paizo uh, and the Pathfinder RPG since well (laughs) before the Pathfinder RPG existed. Um, So the game that I work on now came about in about 2008 um as a sort of stepping off point when uh, dungeons and dragons went from the 3.5 uh version of their game the uh, commonly known as the d20 system mm-hmm. um for which a lot of third-party publishers were producing material when uh, wizards of the coast took D&D into fourth edition that relationship ended and a lot of third-party publishers were suddenly saying what do we do now and paizo said Heck, we liked what we were doing. We're going to keep doing it. And so Pathfinder was created as a game very much in the style of the, uh, the D20 system uh, as sort of the next step of the 3.5 Dungeons & Dragons uh, open game license game. And that served us very, very well for 10 years. Uh, in uh, 2013, I came on staff as a—well, not on staff. I came on board as a freelance editor. Um, I've been doing RPG editing since 2004. And so I I brought a lot of experience to the Paizo table, uh, started working um, as an editor. Um, Eventually that became my full-time gig. Um, I was working as a contract editor. I started doing a little bit of writing. And then just earlier this year, I became a full-time employee and moved out here to Redmond, Washington to work uh, out of the Paizo office. And uh, from from that experience, that gave me enough hands-on involvement in the creation of the game and the the building of the game that when a position opened up on our design team, I was um, I threw my name into the hat for it, and uh, it turns out the people in charge thought that I was the best fit for that position, so here I am.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Congrats. And that was kind of a funny thing where it was like, oh, thank you. Uh, when we first started talking to you about coming on, it was like you've changed positions like over the course of us coordinating. And so it was just kind of a funny thing, like, oh, they, it came to fruition. Yeah, like- I remember some
1: initial hesitation, Liz. I thought you would mentioned you were like, well, I'm the, a part of the editorial team. And then, I don't know, very appropriate that now you're a designer. So that's awesome. Congratulations, right. by the
2: way. and uh, thank you very much. It's It's been a lot of fun. It's been um, sort of a realization of the pieces that I liked most about editing, were the fussing with the rules and getting into the technical side of it. So this has been really rewarding and, and uh, a very different job for me, but one that's been very fun.
0: No, yeah, that's really cool. Um, as far as like an interesting perspective, it seems like you would have um, experience in you know almost two different facets with with the game. And so, I was wondering, like, can you discuss the creative process in the new edition of Pathfinder coming together? Uh, maybe a little bit on the background of like you know how they say how the sausage is made, Liz.
2: <laughs> yeah, publishing is often likened to making sausage. You don't really see how it's made it's it's, it's kind of a messy process, but. So the the the, um, second edition of Pathfinder, um, which just released this past August, so it's been out for not even three months yet, um, has actually been in the works for over three years. Uh, It was well in the works when I came on full time as a as a contractor um, in twenty sixteen, and the uh, and it's been a really interesting process. when we when we first started kind of saying, okay, we're we're ready to do a new edition of the game, it's time to move on. Uh, you know, we looked at the things that were really working in the first edition of Pathfinder and looked at kind of the ways that the constraints of being built on that 3.5 engine were holding us back uh, and the kinds of things that in retrospect, oh, you know, we really, really would have done that differently. Um, and so we picked out kind of the, the elements that we knew we wanted to keep, um, feats are a really big central part of a uh, of a Pathfinder character. Um, they're sort of the fancy things that your character can do um, in the game to change the flow of the game. And uh, in first edition, we kind of were doing a lot of different things. that really, when you looked at it, they all just looked like feats. And so in the second edition, we really knew we wanted to have this feat-based architecture that we could use across the system. Um, to, to, just to help make it run smoother for, for players and make it easier for new players to learn. Uh, really, that was one of the, the big goals that we had, was making um, the game that we have and that we love still feel like Pathfinder, but make it easier for players to learn, um, faster to play at the table uh, without sacrificing any of the depth of customization that we love about the game.
0: No, yeah, that's really cool. That is... I, Feats are definitely a big part of, um, especially in fifth edition D and D. It seems like they've been become a bigger part too. And I do hear a lot of people. Five um, E is pretty lauded now, and um, but when you hear people talk about three point five, they're just like, "Oh, this is so shitty." Like I've never, and I've never played three point five, <laughs> but it's just like funny to to hear people like talk about it, and then just to, it's cool to hear that you're able to kind of learn from that, and then take your take your thing and just like, well, let's just, you know kind of run with this thing and build this up over here. and then That's that's cool. really cool to hear, like, hear the process of that.
2: Yeah, yeah. And as far as, you know, the publishing process, it went through several iterations. Um, we, we developed um, sort of a, a narrow subset of the game um, with the rules that we thought we wanted it to have. Um, there was a lot of in-house testing of that to see what worked and what didn't work and what was fun and what was not fun. Um, and we took all of that feedback um, to make uh, a book that we released last year, um, just over a year ago, which was the Pathfinder Playtest, um, where we took the second edition of the game in the version that we had at that time and said, okay, world, tear this apart. Uh, this is what we think we're going to do. Tell us all the ways in which we're wrong. Uh, and so we ran a three-month playtesting, public playtesting process with thousands of participants um, all, all around the world. Um, uh, we were running, um, characters through specific, um, uh, adventures to really stress, test certain parts of the system, um, uh, and then collected feedback. We collected feedback from game masters. We collected feedback from the players playing different classes, different ancestries, um, to find out what was working and what wasn't and what was too complicated, um, and what we could streamline to make it, uh, you know, quick and simple, but still fun and engaging. Um, and then we, we took all of that feedback, incorporated it to make the final second edition of the game that we just released. Um, so, you know, talking about sort of making sausage processes, it's sort of like making sausage, but asking every grandmother you've ever met for their sausage <laughs> recipe and trying to figure out which one is the best one.
0: Yeah, that's bananas. I mean, that's like that sounds like an amazing way to get it done. Because like, yeah, the people that are going to buy it and play it, like those people will not hold back to tell you like this is so shitty or this is awesome or <laughs> they, I wish we could do this. You know, like, that's awesome.
2: Yeah, people don't hesitate to tell us when something isn't fun, but generally speaking, people have been really positive about it, and yeah, that's awesome. been um, they're really reassuring to see people reacting to things, and even when they're things that they they don't like. Uh, you know they're they're not saying oh this was terrible I'm never going to play this game this is garbage they're saying hey this really wasn't fun it needs to be fixed
1: yeah. right that's good that's fascinating too and I, I kind of wish a few other and I don't want to speak on on behalf of uh you know like Games Workshop or or someone like that but I do know that they they would regularly produce like a new core rulebook for. You know, something like Warhammer 40K, which I know is a different genre, but they'll do that like so consistently as if there's an expectation, you know, biannually, they have to release something new, which I question how much time they actually have to, you know, cultivate that feedback, kind of get an understanding of, of who's actually playing their game, uh, which made me wonder for a yeah, while. A, yeah. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, no, that's,
2: that's a really good point. A lot of companies do um, let me. Let me scratch that and and come at this from a different angle, actually. Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot of games come... Scratch that. I'm going to start over again. No worries. Uh, The Pathfinder 2nd Edition um, is coming after 10 years of 1st Edition Pathfinder. And that is a huge interval in the game industry. Uh, There are... Very few games that exist in one state for that long. Um, and, and you're absolutely right. In the time that it took us to reach the second edition of the Pathfinder role-playing game, D&D moved from fourth on to fifth, and fifth edition has been out for a while now. Um, if you look at, uh, the Shadowrun RPG from Catalyst Games, uh, has gone through several iterations of the, of the Shadowrun game with different engines, uh, in the time that we were still working on the same edition of the same game. And that does kind of interesting. Uh, kind of interesting things. It builds a very stable platform. Our players know the game, they understand the game. Um, they can trust that it's going to stay there. Um, on the other hand, uh, something that we we saw and and part of the conversation around moving to a second edition was that the nature of tabletop RPGs has changed, um, especially when you look at look at the fact that Pathfinder really is based on, the 3.5 engine, which was an update of the 3.0 engine, which came out in 2000. So we're talking about a game system that was, that's almost 20 years old. Um, and the, just the genre has evolved since then. The things people are looking for in their games and the play style has changed so much over these last two decades uh, that, that it really was time for, um, just a new take to meet the expectations of players who are coming into the into the, the game hobby now
0: man that's crazy to think about like the long burn on that because i didn't think about that Daniel, what you'd said and you know like you were saying you can't really speak to other companies but like just like the idea of people just like churning and burning editions out right and then just for them to take their time it's like dang that's crazy well and i
1: and i wonder what it does to the the players because it's like is the expectation that if something Irks you maybe this could be um be a parallel to, to fourth edition because i with d d because i know that was uh fairly controversial uh when it was mm-hmm. released and i wonder if there's ex- this expectation that you know the the players just have to to wait essentially that if there's something that uh, again to go back to Warhammer 40k if there's something that irritates us about fifth edition i guess we'll just have to wait for sixth edition we know it'll inevitably come out um and in the meantime we'll just bide our time and, and possibly just linger in this kind of Almost this resentment for the game, or oh, go <laughs> further back and maybe choose not to to acknowledge uh, an edition of the the core rulebook. book, and um, so it's interesting. And I wondered that about Pathfinder because I was thinking about the core rulebook, book, the copy I have, and I'm like, i I think I've had it since 2011 or 12, um, so not not far after it was originally published, but still, you know.
2: Yeah, there are a lot of very beat up core rule books in right. circulation. <laughs>
1: But uh, I, I was so curious about why it, it, it necessarily took so long because I think I, I had been trained a little bit to just assume this is what game companies do—they just churn out a new, oh yeah, you know, Magic the Gathering. You're going to have a new expansion every three months. We're in the age oh, of you're now. in the expansion all the time. <laughs> right? Yeah, pretty yeah. much constant. Actually, yeah. it's even less than that at this point. But um, so yeah, it's it's interesting that that, uh, and I think that kind of brings us maybe to our next major point. Um, we have a little bit of, the, of insight you gave us about the, the cultural or maybe the, the, um, the approach that Paizo takes when considering developments um, for its franchises, specifically Pathfinder. But what is your experience at Paizo to make this a little more personal been like? And can you talk about maybe the culture a bit more and some of your favorite aspects about Paizo itself?
2: Um, uh, well, I guess to, to sum it up, before getting into any details, um, it's a company that I moved 2,000 miles across the country to live <laughs> in an extremely expensive city, so that I could work here. Uh, so, I, you know, I, yeah. there's there's a lot of there's a lot of love for what we do here. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I, I think Paizo is is a really interesting place because um, our room is a very small company um, that was able to uh, create a successful product and use that product to grow. Um, And so in some ways, we're still very much a little scrappy DIY shop, um, you know, doing things the way we've been doing them just because that's how we were doing them 10 years ago. Um, In other ways, because we're growing and we've gotten so large, you know, we really have um, more more of a professional footprint than, um, a lot of other publishing companies in the RPG industry um, just by to the fact that we are, we are. Um, so the, the, the culture ends up being one of um, you know, you've got these, this group of people who are all super passionate about what it is we're doing, whether that's editing these games or working on our organized play uh, programs so that people can play Pathfinder society games across the, you know, across the United States and around the world. Um, or people who are developing new adventure pads um, or, or those of us on the design team, you know, creating new rules for this new game. Um, you know, it, it ends up with kind of like this big extended family sort of feel. It's like, um, you know, we're all in this together and we all have this really um, we all share this this love of this thing we do. Um, but at the same time, we're all working on different projects and um, you know, and we're all people. So there, it's it's a it's a big extended family with, um, you know, the, most of the pieces that that metaphor I think would um, would carry with it.
0: Oh yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it is funny because we ask you like, what do you think of this company? You're like, dude, I moved. Yeah, <laughs> I moved for <forward, laughs> So there you go.
2: I moved, Yeah, right.
0: It's like dang it, oh, uh, and man.
2: and to, to be <laughs> fair i have I have enough um you know financial stability and support in my life that I'm able to do that, and I recognize that not everyone has that privilege um so uh but at the to some degree that makes it say sort of like I can do this and and so i really I really want to be able to do that so that it's not just the same select few people who've been doing this this work for the last thirty years,
0: mm-hmm. yeah, for sure. No, oh, that's really cool. It's really like a you know we've been saying it's like good to hear the experience of someone that's in it because you always just wonder like how is this like, kind how of this does it come like, together?
1: Yeah, almost like this like nebulous sort of thing. I thought Pathfinder was just came out of a void.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're right. Well, and everyone sort of glorifies the idea of you know what is oh you're a game designer. This must be this really fantastic um, job. And like it's fun and we're you know we're we're doing really creative things, but like from a day-to-day schedule, you know, I'm sending a lot of emails and I'm running a lot of numbers through spreadsheets to make sure that things work. Um, mm-hmm. so it's, you know, it's, uh, it, and we're on a publishing schedule and that schedule doesn't stop because we, um, you know, have a snow day or someone has the flu or, um, someone stepped out of their position and we haven't replaced them yet. So, uh, it can be, it can be difficult. Um, you know, we don't, we don't get paid as much as, uh, you know, big name video game developers at least i kind of assume we don't um and so it's sort of uh you know it, it can be a little bit stressful um but it's it's fun and we're we're in it here because we enjoy what we're doing i think there's also an element to the culture of the um, organization and some of the things we're trying to do that um we try to make it a very positive experience and we try to make it um uh a, a very um hmm we're a very progressive group of people I guess working on this game and, and I think we like to see that reflected in the game uh, and so it's a place where we're very much encouraged to be who we are and, um, and and put that aspect of put all of the aspects of ourselves bring all of ourselves to the table and to the game that we're designing so that we're um, showing people out there that, that this game is for them no matter who they are that's
1: awesome that's really cool. And I, I always did get that sense about, I know the, the thing about Pathfinder is, um, you know, there are, even depicted, I know there's a lot of customization allowed through Pathfinder, but but also in some of the core techniques, even down to the illustrations that are chosen for the rule book, it does seem to be a lot broader. There's a, there's a diversity there that you don't always see. Sometimes I get a little, and they've, they've worked on this in the past, but, you know, Wizards of the Coast with like Magic the Gathering, it was pretty limited representation for many many years probably upwards of two decades and then and then finally they make motions to to make it a little more um
2: right and i think that's that's just a holdover from the fact that the fantasy genre as a whole has been uh you know has very deep western european roots and um has sort of been owned by western euro culture for a long time Mm -hmm. um and and so that sort of has has come to be the the default that we see um but we're seeing an opportunity to to step o- away from that and and show that this um, you know this this game and this setting that we love is not just for you know Western people of Western European descent that um, that there there is something that that can speak to people from a variety of backgrounds um, and as you said we we're really very intentional in doing that in our art um, we try to do that very intentionally in our descriptions of uh, characters um, and how they're presented. Um, We put a lot, one of the things I did a lot of work on as an editor uh, was catching uh, a lot of subtle references that were unintentionally reinforcing um, sexist or racist themes um, or ableist themes are actually really, really common in games. And saying, you know, is this a message we want to be sending or is there another way we can present this that isn't going to, um, you know, push people away from this? a really big one, for example, is insanity. We talk about, Oh, you know, the mad scientist or the, the insane wizard in his tower. And it's like, what are we, what are we saying about mental health here? And what are we saying about people with mental disabilities who struggle with anxiety or depression? Um, you know, is there a way we can tell this story that doesn't make these people feel like they're the villain by virtue of the way they are? Um, and, and that has been, um, uh, you know again speaking to, to one of the reasons I really like being here um, is that when in a lot of companies I could see you know making motions like this and you know being told nobody cares sit down and be quiet and here people said wow I never thought about it that way before what can we do differently how can we fix this what are some other ways we can do this um, and so it's it's been really reaffirming to get to work with a team of people who uh, who really are dedicated to um, making this game more inclusive um, and breaking down some of the barriers that we've um, unintentionally inherited just by virtue of being in a genre that has some of this baggage.
0: Yeah, that's true, man. You, the the thing that you hear all the time, and it's like so, some of the most cliche thing, is like we do it this, this way because it's the way we've always done it. And that is just like such a toxic mindset. And so it's really cool to hear it's like these things have come up and not only – are they addressed, but they're not brushed off? And, like, you know, well, why do we need to change? It's always been like this. Like, I hate right. when I, I hear mean, people say that.
2: <laughs> Even if nothing else, if it's always been done this way, then it's probably been done to death, and people are probably <laughs> bored <laughs> of it. Why don't we do something new so it's interesting? That's true, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. that idea that the stagnation within a game can, like, permeate so terrible. I think of, like, and, and I'll out myself, I do enjoy... You know, like NBA, Two K, and stuff like that, as far as video games are concerned. Hey, but it's all also, games are
2: games. They
1: are, but it is the same game for the past like decades. Yeah. Well, okay, that's true. <laughs> like maybe there could be something that that could be changed here to make it a little more interesting. A couple but, of players on some different teams,
0: but that's about it. Yeah, yeah,
1: fair <laughs> enough. But uh, well, that's interesting, and I think you maybe kind of pushed towards probably our follow-up questions. So if we could dig into that a little bit deeper, so. Pathfinder, it can be broken down and critiqued as a game in of itself, whether or not it plays well, whether it functionally makes sense. I'm sure you've had plenty of playtesters uh, ad nauseum uh, explain how something <laughs> may or may not work. But what kind of impact do you feel that Pathfinder and, and you know, if you, if you want to loop in any of the other intellectual properties of Paizo 2, uh, what kind of impact have those made on tabletop gaming or perhaps a bit more broadly gaming as a whole?
2: Uh, yeah. I think we're trying to send the message that there are ideals out there that we should be upholding as a society. As a, uh, as a game that people are playing, we're sending a message, whether we realize it or not, of you know these things are okay and these other things are not okay. Um, you know in, in some ways it's entrenched just in the mechanical system of the game we have good and evil alignments um, and so we, we we can literally label um, you know certain abilities and actions and and you know monsters and, and pcs with with these labels to say whether they're good or bad and so we're with that method sending especially since we're a fairly prominent game we have a lot of players Um you know, there's some responsibility there to be cognizant of what message we're sending, um, and to make sure the message we're sending is one that is um, the best message we can have for society. So, um, part of part of what I'm talking about with um, making sure that we're not unintentionally reinforcing these sort of subtle um, sexist or racist overtones, um, or making sure that we are, um, you know, not not using someone's appearance as an indicator of their morality, um, I think are, are really important things for us to be doing. Um, especially because Pathfinder is one of the biggest games in the industry, and and people are going to look to us as as a leader and as a as a model. Um, whether that's as a leader of what they don't like um, or as a, a leader of what we should be doing, um, you know, we're doing that, and and whatever it is that we're doing is kind of going to set the bar. For other creators, um, other players, other companies making other games. Now, some games are going out there, and they are are, they are surpassing us by you know they're pole vaulting over our high jump bar, Um, and that's great. Um, I you know I I love that we can set a bar and other people are are clearing it, um, and and doing really really incredible things um, to you know specifically address uh, certain uh, challenges within our society or to Uh, really get out there and explore um, parts of human experiences that we don't really touch on in our game. Um, That's fantastic, but regardless, that bar is there, and when people don't live up to that bar, it's noticed. And so I think there um, is is a tremendous amount of potential there for us to, um, you know, there's the the word floating around of, of influencers and media influencers, and I think Pathfinder is one of those. Um, people are taking this game they're playing it they're internalizing the messages that we send and so it's um it's upon us to make sure those messages are ones we want to be spreading
0: yeah i think that is you know it takes a certain level of like awareness to kind of you know gauge how you're impacting not only the market but just like gaming in general and so i think you've summed it up really right yeah and
2: games are so important to our society i know Mm -hmm. that uh, there's the, always the um, you know the gatekeepers who are going to say games aren't real art, but th- th- they can go to hell. Games are art. <laughs> games are valid. Games are a, a huge part of, of our society, and, and and that's powerful. And the messages that you send um, are are every bit as influential as uh, social media and television shows and and you know movies. That are, and and music that are coming out, all of these things are are shaping pieces of our culture. And it would be uh, harmfully naive of us to pretend that games don't do that. Now, I'm not going to go off on a branch here and pretend that video games are are causing mass murders. That's ridiculous and patently incorrect. Mm -hmm. um, But I think, I I don't even want to say I think, Um, I, I know that we have that, we have a level of influence over our culture. Um, and, and we need to be
0: cognizant of it. Mm -hmm. No, I think what it does, I mean, what it does well, especially games like this is foster creativity. That's a big thing. Um, people, so many people have gotten into creative writing with this. Like I know so Mm -hmm. many great writers that
1: are DMS and I'm like, man, like this is awesome. Yeah. And one thing there's this, like, I I wonder if there's a word for this kind of phenomenon or. Any of you have, have experience it, Liz, if there is one that you use within the office, um, we'd love to hear it. But when you like, there's that moment when somebody's new to a role-playing play game. It doesn't have to be Pathfinder, but but commonly, at least in in my circles, it tends to be Pathfinder. And they're like really reluctant to lean into the role-playing aspect of it. Some people, you know, they might have a, a, a background in like drama or theater or something, and they'll they'll take to it pretty, you know, or, or they might just have that charisma. But But sometimes it's really difficult. It was for me extremely difficult to like actually like have confidence in portraying a character and, and role playing, I guess effect, or or in a way that would be fun. Um, and it was just these, these nerves on end, but when you see it and I've seen it happen and, and a few of my friends is they finally like take that leap and they're just like, you know, I'm just going to be this character for a second. I'm actually going to be them. And you can see it's like a switch. Like at first they're kind of, you know, maybe not even speaking as their character. They're basically like in third person. Oh, my what character's
2: going to do this. Yeah, They yeah, yeah. I want to do this. And then they start saying, I. I, <laughs> uh, yeah.
1: That's it. That's it. That flip when they, there's actually like, oh, okay, so now you have perspective. You've, you've assumed this um, identity a little you, bit. You've
2: assumed this character. You know, shortly after I came here, I was working on something probably actually for the, the core rule book. And, and I, I was sort of like, you know, I if that's actually universal. And so I, I actually asked around the whole office um, whether people refer to their characters in first person or third person. And it's 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 surprisingly split. Um, ah, a lot really? of people, a lot of people do say I I'm an I player um, and, and as a GM, I'm a you player. Um, but as. Uh, A lot of uh, even a lot of our staffers, um, you know, when they sit down at the table, they'll say, oh, well, Cletus is going to do this, Uh, you know, runs up and and swings at the monster uh, and and still work in third person, even though they're very into it. And and when they um, you know, when they're speaking on behalf of the character, they'll still they'll still speak as that character. Um, but it just handled in the third person instead of the first person. Wow. I, I, I found that really, really <laughs> fascinating because I had never really, I'd never really thought about it <laughs> until I mean,
0: that moment. Yeah, I've never thought of that either. I'm an I guy for sure. Yeah, I'll say I'll, I'll run up and do this. Like I always, yeah, I'm an I guy.
1: Yeah. At first, yeah. I was, I was third person exclusively, and then I like began to slowly realize I'm not going to get the level of engagement I think that this game is really trying to, to, to give me if I don't assume first person and just lean into, I guess I had a concern that I was going to mess up the rules or something. Like I needed a lot of help.
2: That's (laughs) a huge concern. Actually. Um, I I think that's actually one of the biggest barriers to, to games is that people are uh, because the rules are um, inherently in a role playing game, the rules can only cover so much. So when you get outside of the rules, there's the idea of like, Oh, what if I screw them up or what if I break them? And I think that's one of the really beautiful things about tabletop games is that, the rules are inherently flexible and allow for you know you 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 can't really break the rules mm-hmm. uh, you know you might need to find a different way to do what you're trying to do but like you can do it uh, or at least you can try.
0: No, yeah, that that is funny because like like you're saying like uh, with people third person or I people, I think there's also people that are like, oh no, that's clearly the rule, so I'm not going to try that. And then there's people that are like, well, how far can I get? <laughs> <laughs> right.
1: Honestly, the best Pathfinder memories I have have been those of failure. I can't, I mean like to succeed it's cool and that's nice, but like honestly just the the the, the I guess creative explosion that happens when you see how when
2: you when you try and fail. fail and
1: how horribly fail like how how horribly you can fail is just incredible and that that's what gravitates me towards the game i'm like oh what are we going to what are we going to fuck up this day like what how are we going to mess up but uh well, that's really cool that's I awesome know. i wonder like with the third person thing i'm like why why that's weird that that's it's interesting to hear though that there's game designers themselves of the 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 Game that, like refer to it's in third. I always thought that for some reason I always thought that was somebody who doesn't want to lean in fully to yeah. the to yeah. the role play. But I, and guess I know that's what mean
2: because there is there is that point where someone who's kind of reticent and is still learning suddenly gets it and then they're in and that's a wonderful beautiful moment uh, when when someone really embraces their character um, and and it's. Uh, you know whether they're still using third person or, or first person for for those actions, like really it's trivial. it's it's that point where they where they get in and they they're really engaged with their character and with the story.
0: No, yeah, for sure. I think that's I mean, you've got me thinking now and like I, we're playing this weekend, so I'm gonna be like waiting for everybody to talk whenever it's their, turn. I'm gonna be like what do they say? Because like now I'm thinking about it, I'm like I've never realized what I said before until I was literally just sitting here like thinking, what do I say? <laughs> it's my turn. And I'm definitely an eye guy, but I'm gonna be I'm gonna be checking out the party to see what they say. I've
2: never thought about that. Yeah, to see to see what people think. Yeah, I think there's also this uh, you know there's this idea out here that oh you know we're we're in you know we're we're professional game designers. Clearly, we we have these uh, you know paragon games that are gonna be the, you know the the best games out there. So like our Wednesday night office game two weeks ago was probably seventy percent poop jokes. So. <laughs>
0: scatologically
2: just because we do this full time doesn't mean that there's you know there's some some paragon entity of of games <laughs> that we that we uphold it's like no we game just like everyone else it's ridiculous and we have a lot of fun
0: no i mean that's the point of it isn't it just as long as you're having
1: fun yeah like pathfinder it's a it's a communal thing like you can't you can't play pathfinder by yourself there's a number of game, even even you know traditional board games that you could. Technically, you could play by yourself, but I don't think Pathfinder is is among them. Fortunately, and and that definitely yeah, it up. is
2: it is definitely a, a game for 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 you and friends, um, and that's actually the first rule of the game. We in in the introduction of the second edition of the game, we said here's the first rule of Pathfinder: that it's your game, and the goal is to have fun. And so, you know, whether you're taking the book and using it as a jumping off point, and you never look at the rules again. Um, or if you dig in and every little technical piece uh, is, is, and making those fit together is what excites you, there's no wrong way to do it. It's, it's your game. We put it out there, um, but it's, it's yours to run and to play with.
0: No, that's great, man. Yeah, I love to hear that for sure. Yeah, just refre-
1: like, refreshing and liberating.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, Liz, is there anything <laughs> else uh, we haven't maybe covered yet, or is there anything else that you wanted maybe people to know, like an FAQ or anything like that that you wanted to share?
2: Boy, that's an open-ended question. I, know, I know. Um, I'm just excited about so many, so many things. I, I really, I'm really excited about this new edition of the game. If you haven't tried it yet, um, I, I would absolutely encourage it. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a really fast and fun experience. Um, if you are um, looking to, if you're a a, a, a player from an existing game and you're looking to take on something that's got a little bit more depth of customization. Um, Pathfinder is a really, really good next step for that. Um, and because we're at, because we've just launched the new game, the, um, the the entry point is absolutely perfect. Um, you're coming in right at the start. You're not going to be overwhelmed by everything that's going on. Um, you know, you can really get in at the ground level and grow with the game. Uh, we've got a lot of really awesome products lined up, uh, coming out over the next year to support it. Um, a lot of really fun accessories that are going to make your, your, your table, um, you know, really, really fun and engaging, um, and it's you know it's it's a great time to be a gamer.
0: No, for sure. Yeah, Word. that's yeah. I uh, I know I've, I uh, followed Paizo on Instagram, but where can people keep up with uh, you know updates and stuff like that?
2: Oh, yeah. so uh, Paizo is on Twitter and Facebook. Um, it's P A I Z O, um, and so if you if you search for that, we'll we'll turn up. Uh, we also maintain a blog uh, and a pretty vibrant forum community at paizo.com. Uh, so you can come and, uh, you know, chat with designers. Uh, we also run a Twitch stream. Uh, Wednesdays is our Starfinder um, session where we talk about all things in space. Uh, and Friday afternoons, we do a Pathfinder, um, Pathfinder Fridays to talk about uh, what's happening in the new game um, and, and what's out there and what's coming down the pipeline
0: yeah that's awesome man that's a cool way did i say instagram you did, did. Say- okay yeah oh there is an instagram okay cool i was like
2: wait did i say the wrong thing
0: <laughs> okay <cool. laughs> no that's awesome I, sure. I don't
2: personally use instagram so i forget oh to it.
0: <laughs> okay cool i was just like did i misspeak like an idiot but which oh, isn't yeah, no, uncommon just- liz that's not uncommon i know it's your first time on the show but
2: oh we all put our foots in our mouths <laughs> that's, uh, you know, that's how
0: we live oh for sure well we sure appreciate your time liz um you know, it's a lot of fun, like like we've said, you know, earlier, just to hear kind of the background, hear about how these things come together, hear about p- people's personal experiences with these. And so we sure just appreciate you taking that time to talk to us. Thank you so much. Oh,
2: it's absolutely been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, for sure.
1: And Daniel, uh, why don't you tell people where they can keep oh, up with you, man? Yeah, Daniel Camper. You can find uh, me on Toons Toons Podcast periodically now, <laughs> uh, but you can also find me uh, helping out at the Cinematropolis. Yeah. Um, all things film and, and film, more film. Yeah, film interviews and <laughs> reviews. Uh, and then uh, also World Literature Today, book reviews. Sometimes for the Oklahoma Gazette, uh, if you just Google uh, Daniel Bocamper, uh, spell camper the best you can, you will you will probably run into my Twitter and my Facebook somewhere in there.
0: <laughs> for sure. Well, as always, guys, you can follow us on social media. That's Tunes, Tunes Podcast T-U-N-E-S slash T-O-O-N-S. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you find your podcasts. Thanks again,
2: Liz. Thank you.